morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Altazan with Mr. Brian Terry, live and in person here in the studio, ready for your calls. Go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you add the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. Appreciate hearing folks. I see we've got a line lit up already. And is it Gustavus? Hello. It's from Madeira Island, Portugal. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> How are you, sir? I did, I, did, uh, I did send you an email. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, how are things over there? Oh, it's, it's good. Everything's getting back normal. It's a pretty big blow to the state, but we've got power back on all our locations, so we're speaking personally, everything's good. <laughs> Uh, glad to hear that. So uh, I did send you. In, uh, first of all, I want to take, thank you and uh, Brian mm-hmm. for uh, for sharing your no, your uh, knowledge. Well, thank you. Thank sir. you. Uh, I say I say sorry in advance for my bad uh, English. Oh, you, no, you, your English is a lot better than my Spanish, my friend. <laughs> Portuguese. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I've got a friend that speaks uh, Portuguese. Yes, yes. So uh, I didn't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think I explained very well on the email. Okay. So uh, as I was saying in my uh, my little my little opal, mm-hmm. the if the oil level it's at the middle, it starts to tra- throwing uh, smoke at the, at uh, the exhaust. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. If I top it off, mm-hmm. it stops. Yes. And I'm thinking if it, if it was the valve seals or the piston rings. It will it will throw uh, smoke, whatever the the oil level is. Not necessarily, because see what happens a lot of times when the oil level starts to drop, it's probably also getting a little older. The viscosity gets a little thinner on, and all that kind of stuff. I have seen that occur. It kind of goes. It's kind of counterintuitive to what we might think, but some vehicles do smoke more when the level is low than they would when it's full. Another thing is the amount of oil going through the valve may actually be more when it's full. But because it's more, it doesn't smoke as much. You know, it's kind of drowning the smoke out. A small amount of oil may make more smoke than a lot of oil. And I know that doesn't sound reasonable, but that can be the case. Did you do the wet and dry compression test on it? Yes, yes. And And that was good? Okay, well, then it's not the rings. So it would almost, about the only other thing it could be would be the, the valve guides. And that one, uh, Gustavus, you can actually change those seals without pulling the head on the motor. I did, uh, like I, to, I told you uh, mm-hmm. on the on the email, I mm-hmm. did replace it two years ago. But only thing avail- available was a a uh, brand that that I never heard before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't trust on that brand. Of, yes, sir. Or, mm-hmm. yes. I'm thinking I'll have to replace it again. Yeah, that's the only place I can think of that it would be going. Now, make sure to your PCV system, your positive crankcase. Okay, make sure that's all not... You know, if you take your PCV valve out and shake it, no oil should come out of that. You know, if any oil, uh, I, if any oil I, drips I, out of that valve... Uh, I did that, and and the original valve was okay, but even so, I've replaced it by a, an original one. Well, you got to be careful, too. You see, there's a baffle inside the valve cover that keeps it from oil from getting to that vacuum. And if that baffle is missing, or like say it came loose or it broke or something, it could be sucking all that way. The easy way to tell is just pull the hose off of the PCV valve, 
shake it real good and no oil should come out of that at all if any oil is coming out of that hose it is possible it could be sucking all that way also mm-hmm. okay I'll, I'll check that thank you very much you bet okay thank you thank you all right thank you. nice call man bye-bye thank you take care there you go. Call all the way from Portugal. How about that? That's a really, That's a, yeah. Portugal's yeah. a really unique little country. It's, it's, it's an old, old country. It's actually older than Spain. Uh-huh. One of the oldest countries in the world. Very interesting place. I bet. I got to go there just for a short period of time on a cruise we took. All place I always wanted to go back to. Yeah. Let's see. Who we got online to there? There we go. <laughs> I'm going to get here in a second. We got right. Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, guys. How you good doing? Good morning. Doing great, sir. This is international morning. <laughs> it is, yeah. Our first yeah, call was well, from Portugal, and now we got one from London. Yeah, I thought I was your exotic caller. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's got to get that on you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so I, I think I called you a couple of weeks ago. I just got back from a holiday in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, and I meant to call you last week. I just didn't have a chance. But uh, there's a lot of, where we were staying, there's a lot of really steep hills. Okay. And I remembered you guys talking about this in the past to sort of like intermittently use the brakes to avoid yes. overheating them. Yes. I don't know if the hills were even long enough to do that, but they were very, very steep. And my car is really big and heavy, the Lexus RX. Mm-hmm. And the signage there basically says select low gear, so four-speed um, automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. So I put it in second to go down the hills and Good. use the brakes intermittently, and that more or less seemed fine. But I was just wondering... How much stress does it put on the transmission and the engine when you're sort of like rolling down a steep hill yes. and all that torque from the wheels is going into the transmission? It does put some, it puts wear and tear on what they call the coast clutches. The coast clutch right. is what releases and lets the vehicle coast downhill and they are slightly applied. So it does put a small amount. I know my last vehicle, I had a, a Buick Park Avenue. And I used to go up to the Appalachian Mountains here quite a bit because it's close to where I live. And I know we did have a failure on transmission. We did tear it down. And Josh said it had an abnormal amount of wear on the coast clutches because I did do that. But that did not cause a failure. But he just remarked that it did have. So it does put some. But again, you just got to kind of balance it out. I wouldn't just do it all the time. But sometimes you kind of got to do it. It's either that burn the brakes up or whatever. And I don't think a small amount judiciously applied is going to hurt anything in the rocky mountains where you're coasting for miles and miles and miles it might be a problem but i mean i don't know what the alternative is well the alternative i guess is use the brakes more yeah i mean brakes brakes are cheaper than transmissions well that's true that's true and i think it's probably a combination of the two i like to drop mine now i drop it out of overdrive but go into like fourth gear with it out of overdrive, and that will give you some braking. And between that and some intermittent use of the brakes, I usually come out okay. Yeah. I mean, it occurred to me that first gear would give me the most engine braking. It but does. Something in my head, yeah, something in my head was just thinking that's not a good idea. Like, so I don't quite understand why, but something about that yeah. seems like well, a really you're just bad in, idea. Yeah, you're increasing <laughs> the load for sure. And again, what I try is just taking it out of overdrive first, and that gives you some and if that's not enough then go down to third gear and and i mean you got to do what you got to do but i would occasionally kick mine back into neutral and use the brake you know just kind of let everything cool down and what have you but to answer your question it does do some wear additional wear i don't think it's drastic and some vehicles can take it more than others but you know it's not a good idea to put it in first gear and go 25 miles down a hill <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that didn't seem like a good idea. So you kick it into neutral while it's moving? Yes, just to relieve it. I mean, it'll go in and out of neutral. Basically, all you're doing on any modern transmission is just releasing and, and opening valves that 
apply and release solenoids and and your bands if it has bands or clutches it's just applying and releasing pressure it's not really anything physically moving inside transmission it's not like a manual transmission all right so that because I, I thought i read in the manual like it said don't do that don't yeah. ever sh- like change gear while it's moving yeah I, i've done that all my life i've never had any yeah. kind of problem with it i could confirm that with josh our transmission guy but basically Every gear is meshed inside the automatic transmission. They're all turning all the time, and all you're doing is applying and releasing clutches. So it's really no different than you're doing when you're shifting, going from first gear to second gear to third gear. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it'll automatically adjust the engine RPM, because obviously that would be different. Well, you take your foot off the gas because you're coasting anyway, and if you've slowed down enough, if you kick it to neutral, it's just going to start rolling, which is going to probably gain speed, but then you can bring it back down to whatever gear you're in before. Okay. Okay, but the the RPM would drop if you were coasting like that. So wouldn't it then? Because I've noticed. Yeah, RPM will go will go back to idle because it's no longer connected to the wheels. Oh, okay. And then it's probably okay to shift back into drive, isn't it? You can. Yeah. Yeah. It's just going to apply clutches. It's not like the gears are actually shifting. Yeah, because I've noticed on mine if I if I move it into drive and press the accelerator a little bit too quickly, there's like a bang. It sort of like shifts into gear with a big loud sort of thump. Yeah, yeah, if your RP- RPM is really more critical than anything else, if RPM, because this means the engine's running faster, now that will do some damage. But I see. you see, when, when you kick it into neutral, when you're just rolling downhill, RPM are going to go to not tile because the engine's going to slow down. Now, Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, when you go back to drive, just drop it back in drive and let the engine catch up, and then you can accelerate. Right. And you won't get that bang slamming into drive right. with high RPM. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. I didn't know that. Thank you. Sure. Some one other thing. Um, when I was going up steep hills, my car, like the engine, is quite small for the weight of the car. Mm-hmm. So it would, if I just let it do what it would normally do, it would tend to sort of lose speed going uphill unless I tell it to downshift. Yes. Right. Um, but what I noticed was when it was losing speed, it wasn't losing RPM. So does that mean that the difference is in the torque converter? Yeah, it's it's probably slipping some. I mean, what I try to do on mine, if I if it feels like the engine is straining, I just shift down out of overdrive, yeah, which will lower. That's what I ended up doing. Yeah, it'll lower the the load on the engine, and it'll automatically do that to a certain degree, but sometimes not. You know, it's trying to make power. It's looking at the throttle position. It's looking at the vacuum of the engine. It's looking at a bunch of factors, trying to determine the best place. To to have it but i don't like having my engine strain where it's losing rpm so i'll just shift down out of overdrive and that'll generally pick it right back up yeah yeah that's the thing that's what I it's kind of like saying. driving your 10 speed up a hill mm-hmm. you know if if, if you just get to where you just can't to push it, it's too hard to pump then just you, know, you go to a lower gear and it makes it easy you have to pump faster but it's gonna lower the load on you yeah they put too small engine in my car. I think that's. Uh, you should see the curb weight on it. It's hilarious. It's not even enough for four passengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're trying to get the best mileage and the best emissions. I mean, governments tell car companies how to build cars anymore, and sometimes they do undersize that. And particularly in Europe, they're very, very conscious of that. So they do tend to, I find, put way smaller engines than would really be otherwise better. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, have a nice weekend. Thanks a lot for your advice again. Okay, man. Thank you. Appreciate calling, man. Thanks, Mark. All right, take it easy. Bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you can give us a call, we sure appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and take our first quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. If you ever plan to motor west. 
travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep, it's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvan, with Mr. Brian Gary. Hey, if you're to try to answer any automotive questions you may have, just give us a call. It's 291-6901. And that's exactly what John did. Thanks for holding, John. Good morning, guys. Yes, sir. Two, two questions. Two okay. Questions. Number one, we got to change oil in the generators, just like everybody else should be doing, too. Mm-hmm. Synthetic or regular oil? Those little motors, depending on what the manufacturer spec for that particular unit, most of the ones I've dealt with are older units, and they've right. been running on the conventional. I don't see a problem running conventional oil in them. I don't know that I would run synthetic if it wasn't recommended. Okay. It just really just right. depends on what you can get your hands on at this point. Yeah. In yeah, the, I, I in don't, the future, I don't, stock it up. I don't think that conventional necessarily, is, if it's the same brand that you've been using, like if you're using, say, yeah. mobile conventional and you went to mobile one, I don't think it'd be a big problem, although I would kind of watch it, make sure it doesn't start burning any oil. But most, almost everything today, they're calling okay. synthetic. And in my opinion, it's not truly synthetic. It's not made of a man-made product. It's, it's regular oil re-refined a different way. So the terminology on that is all screwed up. That went to court several years ago, and they said that calling it synthetic, that's most, more a marketing term than a, a technical term. You know, it, can, it doesn't matter if it's a man-made product or if it's a petroleum-based product. As long as it meets certain specifications, it can be called synthetic. So... I mean, you can't hurt to use what you always use. I'm real big on keeping whatever I've always used. I don't like changing things too much because you, you bring yeah. unknowns in when you do that. Yeah, okay. The second question is on a part number for an AC Delco oil filter. Mm-hmm. A PF63E yep. versus a standard 63. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in saying that the E is designates it's got an anti-drain back valve? No, sir. Delco has never given a a straight answer straight for answer to that question basically they said it's, it's no difference they're the same but you know why do you have two different uh, part numbers in but they said well it's, it's just marketing we're, we're combining it in fact at first they said well if it comes in bulk packaging then it's got the a destination whereas when the manufacturer buying them they're buying them in huge huge things so it doesn't have it and i'm not really 100 certain i've cut them both open i don't see any difference they do both meet the same specifications, specifications and everything yeah. So most of what you buy does have E. I mean, what comes on the new cars does not have the E. And it may be something to have to do with when they're selling it to the OEM, they put one number. When they sell it to the general public, they put another number. Delco's answer is that either one, they're, they're totally compatible one with another. 
I just went and tried to find a 63E, uh-huh. and I can't find an E anywhere. And the boxes that these filters are coming in, they do not look like the same AC Delco box are, that I've always bought. They are not. It, They've changed the labeling on them. They actually have labeled them for different designations now. They've put, I think, two different languages on them now. Yes. Um, yes. English and yeah. uh, Chinese or Japanese. French, it or, looks like maybe... Yeah. Something like yeah. that. I think they're just kind of bringing their market to one where they can take, they don't have to designate, hey, this line goes to this country, this line goes to this country. Now they can combine the two lines and send them both out. And the boxes look totally different. We went through that you know, when I'm, we got I'm our first. kind ones. of a conspiracy yeah. nut anyway, John. Uh, like <laughs> most people, you know, I've been messed around so many times. But I, I know one time I got a box and this thing was clearly different than the regular Delco box. And I looked at the filter and it just didn't look the same. Right. I turned it into my Delco rep and said, what's going on here? And he said, that's counterfeit. And I, I'm like, what? He says, man, there's so much counterfeit stuff on the market. You know, they, they ship it in here offshore. It wasn't made by Delco at all. It was some kind of counter market after that market thing with that name on it. And he didn't even seem surprised about it. I mean, I... I well, I went, I went to two major auto parts suppliers uh-huh. Mm-hmm. and on the shelf, neither one had a 63E and they both had these boxes. Yep. That yeah. Did not make me feel comfortable. I know. It was not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and I'm the same way. I, I just don't like seeing stuff like that because when, when something changes, the first thing, hey, what know, changed? What changed? Yeah. Is this right. a change for the better, a change for the worse? I've just seen companies get different CEOs with different philosophies, and you have one company that makes a really good product, and all of a sudden they just go to the devil right. in a handbasket. And I'm always very nervous when I see that kind of stuff. But. I mean, yeah. you really can't get a straight answer out of it. You go on the internet. I, I went on there and went about 50 pages deep on Google and never did get an answer. And I called Delco and same old song and dance. You, know, you just can't get a straight answer. So let me ask you this then. Mm-hmm. Is there a different, and I've always used AC Delco. Mm-hmm. Is there a different brand that you trust as much as the old AC Delco? And what, what what are you putting them on? It's five point three liter. Yeah, engine. if I'm going with a Chevrolet or GM product, I like to use the Delco. I do too. There yeah. are some different brands, and, and I get in trouble talking about brand names on the air. But the problem is, they've got some other brands out there in their premium line. They're good, but they also have a sub premium line, and it's hard to tell the difference. And some people call one line like a gold line and another line a silver line. There's all kind of little designations designations and stuff on there. But it's just hard to tell what you're getting. But again, even AC Delco has the same thing. You have a Delco OEM line, and then you have a Delco professional line, which is nothing more than an aftermarket part in Delco box. Delco is not necessarily OEM. It's what they call OES, original equipment service. So it's not necessarily the same part that came on the car. And, I mean, the, the parts business, we could probably talk for two months and never even scratch the surface. It is so screwed up that it's almost impossible for even a professional shop to keep up with it. And I don't know how the devil a consumer could ever keep up with it. I mean, I guess you just got to trust somebody at some point. Hopefully, you're getting a decent filter. But, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know anything that would be any better for you. All right, gentlemen. I appreciate y'all's help. I hope you guys have electricity at the house. I do. Oh, yeah. I, we, we were All extremely right. lucky at home. We, we weren't off for 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay, guys. All right. Y'all have a good weekend. Thanks, Carl. Right, thanks. Bye-bye. Um, bye-bye. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our second quick little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally. 
All he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Noise of the river to rock. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whispers has a lot Hey, welcome back to the Jonas Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate spending Saturday morning with us. You got a question or a comment? Just give us a call. It's 291 6901. We'll get you an answer. That we will. In case you don't want to call in or don't think about it, you can always visit our website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. little form is going to pop up. Fill it out and hit the submit button. There you go. Couldn't be easier than that. And I'll get an answer back to you within 24 hours. Now that we've got power. Now that we've got power. <laughs> <laughs> you know, John brought up a really good point about parts and, and uh, all that. And I'm with him on that. When yeah. I see a change in packaging, Something's changed. I'm very, ner- I'm very nervous yeah. because I can remember back, and there was a shock absorber company that we had used these shock absorbers. Oh, yeah, they were really good, time. high quality part. And then they changed hands. Another company bought them, and their philosophy was: we don't care about quality, we don't care about anything. So we they go want- offshore and buy some shocks, stick it in the same box, well, a little bit different box. Uh huh. And and the boxing was so subtle that most people didn't realize that you know the the, the labeling and the boxing had changed. And what you ended up with was a product sold strictly by the name, and nobody knew that the company had been sold off. So right. you're assuming you're still buying the correct OE, uh, the yeah, quality a, a part. Quality part. And when I install a part on your car, I am taking put my own reputation sure. online here. Exactly. Because if that part fails, you really don't care where I bought it. You paid me to fix your car, and now it's not fixed. Right. And I remember giving people money back, changing shocks out to different brands. Sure. We scrambled all around. It left such a bad taste in my mouth. If those guys turn their act around today, I don't think I'd buy no, one of their products. I don't know not. ever again. But, yeah, companies do that. They change hands. They change philosophies. You know, you get some shyster in there and he says well we can make a whole lot more money if we start buying from offshore quit making them in the states and we just put it in the same box and people know that name so they'll keep buying it for a while anyway unbeknownst to anybody else what what has happened then they sell the factory off as a subdivision and they stick all that in the coffers and you know profits shoot up everybody oh this guy's great man his stock prices are high yeah yeah except he just ruined the whole company right (laughs) (laughs) let's go back our phone lines we got jason online good morning jason hey quick question sure so i changed my oil and they didn't have any mobile one, okay. so I had to go to Stroll. Okay. Is that okay? I don't like doing that, Jason. What you can have to do is just keep an eye, start checking your oil a little more often, and you may notice that the engine may start consuming oil. Because Castrol is a good product, mobile one is a good product, but they're not necessarily compatible. They use different types of additives in it. Now, if it doesn't start using oil, then yeah, you're yeah, fine. You're right. Just go back to mobile one next time. Even if it does start using small, go back to the original oil, and it may take up after a period of time. 
But sometimes well, the additives are not compatible, and it'll clean some stuff out around the rings. It may affect it. I don't know why it does that, but I've seen it happen. Well, I haven't put the oil in there yet. I was going to call you all today before I did it. Well, i tell you what. If you've got the option to maybe take that back and find what you want, even if you go a little bit overdue on your oil change, I think yeah. you'd be better off. I don't like doing that because I, I've seen it. I, in fact, I had a little Toyota Corolla, and I did the same exact thing. Somebody talked me into a different kind of oil. I changed it, and that thing started burning a quart oil every 1,000 miles. And it continued for about a year. I mean, just burning all. I went back to the original all. Eventually, it took up and quit burning all. And I don't know what changed, but I just don't like doing that if I don't have to. I mean, if it's out of all and, and you gotta ha- you're got you in the middle of the desert and you got to get somewhere, you got to do what you got to do. But if I had any other option, I, I would have tried to avoid that. I mean, I'd take it back and see, maybe wait a week, see if the mobile one's available and then see if you can change it. That's what I'll do. Hey, thank you all very much. All right, Jason. You're welcome. Thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive, we certainly love to have you. Why don't you give us a call? You know, we see that a lot with the quick oil change places around. Customer will take their car, we'll change the oil in at one time, and it may be a year before it comes back to us. Mm-hmm. The oil's been changed three or four times at four or five different places. Right. So in each company Use that you go to, it's a different kind of oil. Right. So you, you tend to run into things like that. You, so you if can you get can, into a, a real problem doing that. I know we've most of the customers we've got who do have problem with all consumption. Well, they say, "Hey, I've got to add all between changes." Uh-huh. Now it's because they're jumping around, going from one place to another sure. place, and ironically, even going back to the same place doesn't guarantee you get the same. Yeah, I mean, if product. the guy running the shop is more concerned with the profits of the shop than he is his customers, right? He's going to buy the cheapest thing. Well, he yeah, can find. somebody comes in and says, "Look, I can give you ten cents off on per gallon on this kind of bulk all." He just swaps it on over, doesn't tell anybody anything. You don't know, right? So yeah, yeah that's kind of something I would watch, and most. I say most. I always write the name of the oil used in the car on the invoice. Mm-hmm. And you need to kind of watch that or at least ask, hey, you know, are you using what, what, what kind brand? of oil, what brand of oil are you using here? Right. So on. Because a lot of people think nothing of that. So, not they, at all. They just swap one to another. And I'm not saying that one guy didn't do that and never have any problem. He just got lucky. But I know sometimes you do get into problems with that. And it's always best. I had a good customer of mine and I consider a personal friend who worked for exxon mobile for years and years and years right and i remember him telling me that he says those products are all good they all meet specifications sure they are not necessarily compatible we all use different additives different chemicals and such as that and you can get interactions between different stuff anytime you start mixing chemicals up you can get unexpected interactions so always best to stay with the same all i even like to try to burn the same gas to the degree that i can Uh uh-huh and I've got like one or two different brands that I'll use, and I try to like to stay with those when, whenever I can. I mean, if I'm out of gas and I got to do something else, yeah, that's understandable. Got, yeah, it's an emergency. I got to do what I got to do, but I always try to stick with the same brands. It's a good idea. Yeah, you eliminate yeah. one at the very least. You need to be checking your oil between oil changes because I've, I've that's seen not a bad idea for anybody because right. I know there's a light on there, but most of those lights don't come on until the oil pressure is almost dropped to a dangerous point. Sure. I mean, you're almost doing damage by the time light comes on. Sure. Some of them don't come on to three PSI of oil pressure. Right. And what's really bad is a lot of the Ford products have what looks like a gauge. That is not a gauge. No. That it's, is it's actually an on-off on switch that looks like a gauge. Made to look like a gauge, and it will go, if it's got oil pressure... If it's got more than three PSI, it goes to half, uh-huh. and it'll sit there. And if it has less than three PSI, then it drops down. But that it's an off-on indicator. Sure. 
I don't know why they try to make it look like a gauge. I guess trying to impress uh, the customers. I don't know. But technically, if you take and your your vehicle sitting still in park and just kind of race the motor up, raise the RPM up. If that oil pressure gauge doesn't go up with higher RPM and come down with lower RPM, it's probably not a true gauge. Right. So it's some kind of off on indicator, and that's not a reliable indication. By the time that comes on, you're probably it's, doing yeah, damage. Yeah, you're doing, definitely doing damage. It used to be very common practice to check your oil sure i mean most people would check their oil from time to time then we've gotten to where i don't know anybody other not than really. me and, and that's because i'm a nutcase but <laughs> I, I check my oil from time to time yeah most people do not and with the longer intervals that most people have adopted right you're going six to eight thousand miles now on an oil change a lot of people are i don't recommend that but a lot right. of people do well you think about it do the math you're you're burning a quart every thousand right but eight thousand miles well, let's, You're out of oil. let's say you got a five or six quart oil pan, which most, I would say is pretty close to average. Most six of them to eight. Five, six. Some of the Some bigger of the engines are eight. Got, got eight. But let's say you've got, well, there's one car out there and hold like three and a half, four. One, yeah, one, one of the smaller ones. Yeah. Let's say you've got a five quart oil pan, passing, right. and you're burning a quart in a thousand miles, and you're going 5,000 miles between oil changes. Right. Well, I mean, do math. Right. You're going to run out of oil. You're out of oil. Yeah, we've and, had several of them come in the shop running bad or not running at all. Right, and you check the oil level. There's nothing on the stick, and what we like to do is actually start adding oil to it, quart at a time. And by the time you end up, you're four and a half quarts. Yeah, so you know how low you were. Motor. So you know how low you were. Yeah, you had a half a quart half oil. Half a quart oil trying to run that motor. And today's engines rely a lot more on oil than the older engines did. Well, that was one of the problems on the little Hondas. They have a relatively small pan on most of Hondas. Four, four and a half. Four and a half, four and a half. Yeah. And what would happen, people would run out 5,000 miles, they were burning some oil, and you'd start throwing cam timing codes. Sure. Because you didn't have enough oil pressure left. By the time you lubed the bearings, it didn't have enough left to, to run. To get to the top to yeah, run to, the cam to run all those camshafts and all. And it would start popping out. Yeah. And, and we get people come in, they would check engine lights on, and you check it, you got a cam code. Well, first thing, you pull a dipstick out. There's no oil in it. Nothing showing on dipstick at all. Sure. And you can pour oil back in it, and that code may go away. But what other damage have you done? Because you've also not lubricated the lower end of the engine properly. You exactly. just don't have enough oil pressure or enough volume to properly to do lubricate everything. that engine. Yeah. Yes. Let's go back and get one more call in before the break. we got Amy online. Good morning, Amy. Yes. I was wondering an opinion on sure. if I'm about to buy a truck, and is it better to buy a three-quarter ton than a half ton because it's tougher and I'm kind of hard on vehicles anyway? Or is it... Do you just wind up spending more money buying a three-quarter ton versus a half ton? You know, Amy, it depends on on your use of the truck. If you're using the truck like a three-quarter ton truck, in other words, you're towing something heavy, it's definitely going to be worth it to you because it's got much heavier. A three-quarter ton is a lot heavier than a half ton. It's got bigger rear ends. It's got bigger brakes. It's got a bigger radiator. Almost everything on it is bigger. Now, on the other side of the coin, let's say you just go back and forth to work or go back and forth to the grocery store, and you're not going to really use it hard then a half ton is just fine and you would be wasting money under those circumstances but let's say you've got a five thousand pound trailer you want to pull with it i would definitely recommend three-quarter ton or let's say you you like to load the bed up with say you're in landscaping business and you're going to throw a bunch of dirt in the back of this truck yeah then the three-quarter ton so they both have purposes a half ton truck you got to remember is a half ton truck it's designed to carry one thousand pounds which is a half a ton. So if you routinely exceed that, 
it's not like the old days. You know, back in the 60s, a half-ton truck was built like a three-quarter ton. Sure. Because they knew it was a truck, and they built them heavy. Now they build them to, to be what they, they are. Can. As light as they possibly can. And they do good to haul a 1,000 pounds. Yeah, they'll, they'll do what they're designed to do, but they're not going to do much more. So if you currently do exceed that, you're pulling something heavy with it, you're hauling a lot of heavy weight with it, that kind of stuff, then, yeah, you would definitely be better to go with a three-quarter ton. It's a much heavier truck. All right. Well, thank you very much. All righty. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Go ahead and take our third quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah. So they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at AGCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Automotive Hour, there you go. And I am Lewis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager and lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291 I'm sorry. 01? There you 01. go. We still got is a shop. You won't get anything but that. A rude little answer machine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you can't even leave a message. That's on. right. 291-6901. And that'll get you up the top list. Still got a few minutes here. We can answer a question. Amy brought up a good point, and that was, do I really need a three-quarter ton? And I think sometimes people buy things either that they don't really need, not going to use, or conversely and possibly worse, that's not big enough to do what they do want to do. Sure. Sure, Three-quarter ton is one thing comes to mind. Well, four-wheel drive is another. The price difference between mm-hmm. a vehicle with four-wheel drive and a vehicle without four-wheel drive. Right. It's pretty substantial it is. price. And converting a two-wheel to a four-wheel drive is virtually is, is, impossible. Yeah, it's virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. The frame's not designed for it. You know, the four-wheel drives have a lot different uh, setup underneath. Yeah, it's not that it couldn't be done, but for the cost, you could sell what you got and, and buy go what buy you want drive. and be way cheaper sure. and still have a whole lot better setup. Another thing that I get a lot of questions on, sort of on the same topic, and that is, do I need a diesel uh-huh. or do I need a gas? Well, diesel and gasoline are two totally separate engine operating systems, both having a purpose. Sure. Now, if you want to put a big old fifth-wheel trailer behind this thing, go to the Rocky Mountains and haul this trailer up and down the mountains, drive across the country, you need a diesel. Sure. The gasoline is just not going to make the power that the diesel does. Virtually every 18-wheeler on the road that you ever saw is going to be diesel. diesel. There's a reason. It's designed to go long distances under heavy loads. Right. Does a wonderful, wonderful job with that. And if that's how you operate the vehicle, yes, you need a diesel. Now, if you just think diesels are cool or you think you're going to save money because diesel fuel is more efficient, you're not. It's not. Yeah. Diesel is much, much more expensive to maintain the repairs on a diesel are almost double. Uh-huh. 
I remember we had two Ford these come in the shop. One was a V8 gas and one was a V8 diesel. Air conditioning completely gone on both of them. We basically changed the same parts on both units. Sure. And they just happened to both be in the shop at the same time. And I look at the final bill, and the diesel was almost double wow. what the gas one was, just because the components cost that much more money. The labor was roughly the same, yeah, but the parts were almost double. And it's because diesels use specialized components. Now, if you need a diesel, that's great. That's sure. the right choice. If you just like a diesel and think I'm going to get that, number one, they're generally noisy. Number two, they don't have really great acceleration in stop and go traffic although they've gotten that better they've, with the turbo they have gotten a lot better lately they've gotten better but it's going to be a little sluggish on takeoff in town and constant stop and go traffic it's gonna be a little more aggravating it's a little harder to find fuel you got to go yeah. to a place that has diesel fuel and a lot of stations have it now but a lot don't right so it's gonna be more inconvenient the point is the proper tool for the proper job there's a purpose for a 19 millimeter 12 point socket there is a purpose for a 19 millimeter six point socket and there's a purpose for a crescent wrench sure it just depends that you got the right tool for the right purpose if you're using a crescent wrench where you need it a 19 millimeter six, six point, point socket, socket yeah it's not you're gonna not work be real well. happy <laughs> you know and and vice versa you know if you're trying to tighten a bunch of fittings out in the yard and they're all different sizes and you have to go back and get a socket for each one it doesn't fit because got a handle you can take that crescent wrench you get right in there you can tighten it. down and the nut Tighten on it, it and, and get right and do the job. Well, and most of the things you, most things you use a crescent wrench for have a square hex on the top and right. not a octagon. Well, well, actually, sextagon. It's six yeah, sided. Six sided. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but and you know, even the word crescent wrench actually is an adjustable end wrench, right? Because crescent, crescent was a company that made, made those the first ones, like a skill saw. Right. It'll always be a skill saw. All those skills, just a company that made them. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's funny, and I guess that's when you know you've done a really good job with marketing when they name a whole line of product after, yeah. your, after your brand name you know right and then a lot of things like that but the point is it's the right tool for the right job and we may not think of a truck or a car as a tool but it is it is and it's got they each a, have a purpose it's got a design purpose if i want to go real fast and have a whole lot of fun and something handles real well then i probably want a sports car All right you don't want a three-quarter ton pickup truck no you do not want that same thing if fuel mileage is very important to me because i live 75 miles away from where i work well, now, I need a whole different type of car. Oh, exactly. I, I don't want something like a three-quarter ton excursion with a with a V10 in it. No, and, you, and on the same side, you don't need a pickup truck. You don't even need a sports car. Right. You need an economy car. Right. And if I've got a family with a couple of kids, a four-door car is a whole lot oh, my more goodness. convenient. You know, every time with a two-door car, which I know two-door cars do look cool, but if I got to stop and open the door and pull Hold the seat, seat up, up and let the kids get in the back, and then I got to stop and I got to get out and pull the seat, that's going to get pretty aggravating for you in, oh, in not too long a time. Well, and that's where the crew cab pickup trucks came from. Right. That's you exactly know, right. Yeah, because you, you, you had the extended cabs, but right. you still had to move the seat every time you wanted somebody getting out the back of the car. Or open the, try to open half a door. Half a door. And if you got maybe one small child it's probably not too inconvenient but if you got three kids that's oh, gonna yeah. get really really aggravating pretty fast sure it is you got the wrong tool for the wrong job right and most things are like that when you buy a car i like to say there's probably a car out there for everybody in the world sure there's one car that's gonna be perfect for everybody but if you buy the wrong thing and that's where our emotions come in what we need is an economy car 
to haul the kids around. But what we want is that little red sports car with the convertible yeah. top. <laughs> yeah. And it's just totally impractical. But you'd be amazed how often people do buy something like that. Or even buy, end up with both of them. Yeah. So you're driving one for weeks at a time, the other one sits. Yeah. And that is the worst thing you can do to an automobile is let it sit. Well, yeah, I've got my neighbor has got a little convertible sports car. He loves it. Yeah. And it sits in his garage about once a year. Every other year, he'll come by the shop and buy a battery to put in it. And yeah. He'll get go yeah. do some work on it and one thing or another. Drive it for a week. Yeah, drive it around for a week or so and then lets it sit for another year or two. Yep. And, I mean, he's got enough money where he can afford to do that. That's his thing. He likes it. God bless him. That's perfect. But if you're like a lot of people and you don't have a lot of money just to waste, then it's not a very wise not thing. Not Car- very practical. Yeah, cars are just not one of those things that you just want one for every application. Right. Because cars that are not used are kind of like houses that are not used. Yeah, they go south quick. Yeah, things just start to break. Things start to do this, then start to do that. You know, we were sitting at home all week with nothing to do, so I was kind of cleaning around all, and I'm I'm dusting in the house. And this is a house that we are in very little because we're usually in New Orleans, and I'm amazed at the amount of dust. Oh, yeah. And just from it sitting. Yeah, I was looking somewhere and it says how many trillions of tons of dust fall on Earth every day. <laughs> <laughs> so and by the time you were done, you thought all of it fell in your house. Yeah, huh? at least half of it fell in my house, man. <laughs> yeah, I spent a half a day sweeping cobwebs oh, out yeah. from the carport and sure. this, that, and the other, fixing this, cleaning the refrigerator because. Well, you know, when you're there all the time, you kind of take those things, you do a little bit here, a little bit there, and it doesn't get overwhelming. Right. But when you stop and try to do it all at one time. And you got a list three pages deep with things that need to be done. Well, and just little stuff you don't even think about, like the glasses in the cabinet. If you don't live in this house, those glasses are not getting used. They get dirty. Sure. So now you take all the glasses down, wash them all. Wash them all. Now, (laughs) if you sit them with the mouth down, it's not so bad. At least the dirt's not getting inside of it so much. But it... You could pick the glass up and just stick it in your hand. Uh-huh. And I can't stand that. So I'd take, I take. I did that. That's what I did all day yesterday. I pulled every glass out and washed <laughs> them. Got rid of about half of them. Uh-huh. Time to clean out. <laughs> yeah, we had like 25 coffee cups. And I'm the only one in the house that drinks coffee. Right. So. I'm like, baby, do we really need needs- all this? Well, I, I bought that one. Hey, this, this, okay. Yeah. This- hey, we're going to put them in a bag. We're going to put them in the pantry. In a year, if we hadn't used them, we're going to throw them away. Just go ahead and throw them away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, same, same type of thing. You know, stuff that you don't need that you're not going to use, whether it's a car or stuff around your house. Sure. It all has a certain cost factor to it. If it's nothing more than maintenance, you got to go in and clean it. You got to wash it. You got to dust it. You got to keep it up. You got to paint it. All those kind of things. So when you buy a car, buy the one that does everything you want, but don't buy a lot of stuff that you're not going to use because exactly. there's going to be a cost involved. Oh, yeah. So it'll be a, definitely going to be a repair cost. I want to go ahead and get ready to get on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Cut your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whatever that might be. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. There you go. Sure appreciate when you do that. And I want a big thank you to all our international listeners uh, outside the country who take the time to call in. Most sure, definitely. Everybody, everybody likes to hear folks all around the country. Hey, preceding was our opinion based on experience in the automotive industry. Have a, Have a great, great weekend. weekend. <laughs>